All the world's great civilizations have followed the same path. From bondage to liberty, from liberty to abundance, from abundance to complacency, from complacency to apathy, from apathy back to bondage. If we are to be the exception to history, then we must break the cycle. For those who do not remember the past, are condemned to repeat it. My daddy served in the army. We lost his right eye, but he flew a flag out in our yard. Till the day that he died, he wanted my mother, my brother, my sister and me to grow up and live happy in the land of the free. Now this nation that I love is falling under attack. A mighty sucker punch came flying in from somewhere in the back. Welcome to the main event. Open up with that clip from the movie Swing Boat. I've got another clip from that I'm going to use next week. As we get closer and closer and closer to our big election. And uh, that song was uh, courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue, Toby Keith. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking about what's the perfect song to play, play on this show. And, uh, you know, the morning after the big debate. And I'm thinking, you know what? It just seems like a, a whole different feel when you listen to President Trump talk versus when you listen to Joe Biden talk and it's and it's uh Joe Biden is about how how everything we did wrong and how people are dying and this and that and Trump's going hey we got the greatest economy the greatest military the greatest everything and we're going to get through this and and it, you know it's it's kind of like uh kind of reminds me of a uh, Carter versus Reagan and why Reagan knocked Carter out after his first uh after his first term because we want to feel good about our country. And I just don't think Biden makes us feel good about our country. And he certainly doesn't have a clue as to uh, how to make it better. Cause if he did, he would have already done it. So anyway, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the, the biggest things in the news right now, as well as the debate. But first, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and there are fantastic opportunities, the rates are low. Uh, rates are low, which is a great opportunity if you're looking to buy, a great opportunity if you're looking to refinance. And if you're over 62, it's a gives you the lower the rates are, the, bet, the more money you get on a reverse mortgage. And if you're not sure about that thing, that reverse mortgage thing, or if you want to know about buying or refinancing, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to uh, get in touch with me and get some information, but you don't want to talk on the phone because it's so personal, or you're just not in a space that, uh, that you can talk and you don't want to forget, to go to edhoffman.net on your phone or on your computer. And uh, click on the Summit Funding logo and put in as much information into my lending page as you want. Tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from myself or one of my talented teammates, Eric Marquez, Cody Bradbury, Brian Goodman, uh, Lance Keisha, or Vlad Kinzer. And we'll help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. 
Um, if you want, if there's any part of the show you want repeated, you can also get the podcast on edhoffman.net. Click on edhoffman.net. Click on the podcast page. You'll see this show as well as several past shows. You can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, where you can actually subscribe for free and have it download automatically once a week to your computer or your iPhone or your iPad or your iPod or your iWatch or your mini pad or your maxi pad or anything you can get a, a podcast on. Uh, follow me on Twitter where I tweet about current events all week long and go to the Facebook page for the show. The is facebook.com slash the main event at Hoffman. Uh, and lastly, if you want to leave comments, uh, leave comments, you send me an email at ed at edhoffman.net. And just in case you didn't know, ed is spelled E-D. Okay, so let's get on. Oh, and before uh, before we go any further, uh, I have in my I have on the show today. I won't say in the house because uh, we're we're doing we're doing Zoom Zoom uh, recordings. Um, Mr. Scott McPhee, uh, proprietor of Don's Bikes in uh, Rialto and Redlands, is uh, back with me today. First time on Zoom. Scott, welcome to the show. It's good to be here, Ed. Yep, you're. Uh, it's been. This is uh, Scott's first time. First time experience with the uh, with the uh, remote, which is why you haven't heard him very much. Uh, only a few times in the last uh, in the last since uh, COVID started this this month. So, uh, Scott, you have some uh, before we get started on the the week's um, events. You got you got some uh, interesting stuff to talk about. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I want to mention we are put together, putting together a conservative comedy show. We've actually done several of these events. I know, Ed, you've been out to a couple of them. We call them Make America Laugh Again. Uh, we've done several of these events. We've sold out every show we've done. We have another upcoming show at the Mill Creek Cattle Company. That's November 1st. That's Sunday. Um, we've got some of the top conservative comedians going to come out. It's going to be really, really fun. These are some of the funniest people out there on the conservative side of things. Yes, there are funny conservatives, believe it or not. Uh, if you want to go to this show, go to MakeAmericaLaughAgainEvent.com. That's MakeAmericaLaughAgainEvent.com to get tickets. Once again, it's November 1st, Sunday, Mill Creek Cattle Company in Mentone. It's kind of a dinner comedy show combination, but it's really, really good. So I'll be emceeing it. It's going to be a lot of fun. One more time make america laugh again event.com i hope you guys can make it all right and we'll uh we'll put up we'll put up something on the on the main event facebook page on that cool so if, if you get lost and go to the main event uh facebook page so uh we were talking about before the before the show started uh you had a very interesting story yeah and we don't often break stories in the main event usually what we do is we comment on what other people are reporting but this is kind of an exception of uh, this past week a friend of mine who actually works in hollywood in, in the film industry um, had an experience. He actually had a job interview lined up and come to find out his job interview was canceled. And someone on the inside of the office of the place that was considering hiring him said, Hey, I, I got to tell you why you were, your job interview was, was canceled. Apparently the, um, the company that was getting ready to possibly hire him uh, looked up on a website. This website is called Donald Trump watch Donald Trump watch. So if you go on to Donald Trump watch, you can see everybody that has made a campaign contribution to Donald Trump. And it's obviously this is not flattering. I mean, this is they call it like, hey, find out who donated to the racists, right? That's that's what it says on this website. So everyone that's ever made a contribution to Donald Trump is listed on this website. And the point is that this is something like 
out of the Soviet Union. This is something that we on the right need to be concerned about because it's one more weapon that they plan on using against us going forward. This is a way of retribution. Whether Trump wins or not, this is a way of getting back at people that may have supported the president. In this case, this may have cost this guy a job. When I heard this, it made me sick to my stomach. And I think it's something everybody needs to be aware of. Um, I don't know if legally there's anything that could be done about it, but it's very concerning when you have people that, I mean, what, what's the purpose of putting this information out there? Well, it's to deny people possibly job opportunities and what, set them up for harassment? I mean, I don't know what they're going to do with this information, but it's very, very concerning. And it's one more uh, you know, reason to think, are we, are we going to be living in a banana republic here in the next five or 10 years? Yeah, the, uh, the website says, uh, Donald Trump says, uh, um, Americans that donated to a vulgar lying draft dodger and tax cheat, 220,000 dead. Data provided by FEC.com. So uh, I'm surprised that I'm surprised that this that this kind of stuff is is out there. And well, maybe I'm not surprised, but it's uh, it's I don't know how the uh, equal opportunity employment allows this if they're actually canceling uh, canceling job interviews because of this because i think that is a i think that's a a federal lawsuit there for a wrongful denial of a i mean i know i know if they got fired because they were on there that's the wrongful termination but i'm sure there's a i'm sure there's a lawsuit there if uh if he has if he has uh information that that's why he was denied the the job interview well, you, you know, you, you would think you, you could sue over something like this. You certainly should be able to. But I mean, obviously, we all you and I both know that a reason why people don't publicly state how they're voting is because they're afraid of losing their jobs. There's a lot of people that have been fired based on the way they voted. Look, you and I, we've both hired and I, I currently have Democrats that are employed by me. People on the right don't lay off or fire people based on the way they vote. We're not trying to censor them. We're not trying to burn down their businesses. We're not trying to harass them. Um, and, and this just shows, you know, shows what they're doing on the left. And it's something we should all be concerned about. And, and yes, it's, this has got to stop. Yeah. Between all the, this, this, in addition to the stuff we talked about last week that are, uh, were there or the week before about, uh, how Facebook and Twitter and, um, Google are, are, uh, are, are blocking stuff, blocking certain stories. So people don't, so you can't get the word out there. It's, it's disgusting. So let's talk about what's going on this week. It's been more than a week since the New York Post reported on Hunter Biden's hard drive, and there's been new info coming out every day. Let's break this down to a timeline. April 2019, Hunter Biden drops off three water-damaged laptops to a Delaware computer repair shop owned by a man named John Paul Mac Isaacs. Got four names, and uh, got four names in there. And uh, the third, you know, is is Mac because he works on uh, Apple computers, or is uh, is that he's just got two middle names? Reminds me of a clip from a movie called Funny Farm. Hey, Mac, which way to Red Bud? How'd you know my name was Mac? Just guessed. Then why don't you guess your way to Red Bud? Yeah, well, uh, maybe a little, a little bit off the, off the subject there. But hey, how'd you know my name was Mac? So this guy's name is John Paul Mac Isaac. So April 2009 happens to be the same month Hunter resigned from the board of Burisma. And the same month his father announced he was running for president. Hmm. He wants to repair his computers, wants to, uh, and his, his dad decides to run for president. Somebody knows this Burisma thing is going to be a problem. So let's just, let's just resign from the board, a million dollar a year job. And just uh, timing seems coincidental there that like, how could you bring this up? They knew it was going to be brought up. 
August 2009, four months later, 2019, uh, 90 days go by and nobody has come back for the laptops or paid for the repair service. So now they officially belong to Isaac, the shop owner. He says the first thing he found was a 12 minute, 12 minute video of Hunter Biden smoking crack and engaged in sex acts with an unidentified woman. Then Isaac, who's a Republican, starts searching for the keyword Burisma on the device. Like the rest of us, Isaac knows that Hunter's $83,000 a month board position at Burisma was, was the front for selling foreign government access to his father, Joe. And guess what turned up? Here's an email to Hunter from Burisma advisor, uh, Vadim Pozharsky, dated May 12, 2014, the week Burisma assigned Hunter, uh, signed him to the board of directors. Pozharsky says, we urgently need your advice on how, how we, you could use your influence to convey a message slash signal, et cetera, to stop what we consider to be politically motivated actions. Hunter responds back, who is ultimately behind these attacks on the company? We don't know if Posharsky responded, but we do know that his, his first letter mentions prosecutor Victor, General Victor Shokin as being one of the urgent problems for Burisma. Now, fast forward to another email from Posharsky, April 2015. So this is uh, 11 months later. Dear Hunter, thank you for inviting me to DC and giving me the opportunity to meet your father and spend some, some time together. It's really an honor and pleasure. Eight months after that meeting, Vice President Joe Biden went to Ukraine and demanded that Ukrainian President fire Shokin or risk losing out on a $1 billion uh, loan from the United States taxpayers. Remember how proud he was. Even in six hours, if the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a <laughs> got fired. Uh, how proud he was. Scotty? You know, this, uh, this, this is like, I don't think you and I could have made up like a better scenario with this laptop. It's almost like he's picking up the torch where uh, Anthony Weiner dropped it, right? You remember Wienergate and all yeah. that kind of stuff? Yeah, I do. I it, yeah, it's like, so this is the current Anth the current uh, uh, revelations that, like I said, are on par with Anthony Weiner. The, the stuff that's on this laptop uh, shows corruption so deep that, and of course, and then I often thought to myself, what if this had been Donald Trump Jr.'s laptop? Uh, the, Trump's campaign would be over in about five minutes, like five minutes or less. So the fact that nobody's covering this, they're doing their best. To, I mean, this is this is the Democrats' party's worst nightmare. It really is, yeah, um, and it's really the gift that keeps kids. on giving. Will this impact the election? I mean, that's anybody's guess at at this point. Yeah, if if this is one of Trump's kids, um, they would they would have quickly restarted impeachment proceedings, even though we're two weeks to the election. Um, will it will it impact? Well. It'll only impact impact the election if people know about it. Right. And uh, and although it's big breaking news in some some news uh, outlets, the New York Post and Fox News and uh, Newsmax, I'm sure uh, One American News are talking about it. I don't think it's getting reported on. I know uh, we're going to talk about an interview that uh, CNN, CNN, MSNBC and all the major networks um, ignored. That happened last night, right before the right before the debate. So, uh, so that's Ukraine. That's the Ukraine situation. What's next? Next comes Hunter's Biden in China. The laptop shows business with a company called CEFC China. It's an energy company. A May 2017 email from a partner named James Gilyar includes a brief payment uh, percentages for six people involved in the venture. We now know the name of the venture was called Sinohawk. Sino meaning China, and Hawk was the late Bo Biden's favorite animal. That was nice. That was nice of uh, of Hunter to name it after uh, Bo's favorite uh, favorite animal. And I wonder if that was before or after he started sleeping with Bo's wife. 
I don't know. Maybe I'm uh, maybe I'm going off the path here. He's such a he's such a pillar of strength in the community. Hunter Biden. Hunter was identified as chair, vice chair, depending on the agreement with CEFC, and then with the number eight fifty representing his pay, which I assume is his salary eight hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. It has numbers for how the six partners would spread the equity, with twenty going to H, which is Hunter, ten held by H for the big guy, and guess who the big guy is. Um, so if you look at if you look at the actual email, you could see. Um, uh, at the moment, there is a provisional agreement that the equity will be distributed as follows 20 to H 20 to a guy named Rob Walker, 20 to a guy named, uh, James Gilliard, which, uh, we mentioned already 20 to a guy named Tony Bobolinsky, uh, which we're going to talk more in uh, detail in just a minute. Uh, 10 to Jim, which is uh, Jim Biden, uh, by uh, Joe Biden's brother and 10 held by H for the big guy. So I don't know. Uh, this seems this seems like uh, getting money from a foreign uh, from a foreign country, don't you think? Well, yeah, for sure. And it's interesting coming back to your point about is anybody going to hear about this? I just just for the for kicks, I decided to talk to a couple of Democrat friends of mine, and sure enough, they hadn't heard about this story, Ed. They didn't know anything about it. So you could say, well, they just kind of blew it off when I told them about it. But yeah, there's no information getting out to a large part of the uh, American population about what's actually going on here. Uh, it's interesting. Also, I know Rush Limbaugh uh, had a theory that Hunter Biden deliberately left these laptops as a way of kind of without you know, being a traitor to his dad, but wanted to get back at his dad for maybe how badly he's been treated. I don't know if that's true, because there's a lot of stuff that could put Hunter Biden in jail. I mean, I'll almost be surprised with the stuff that's coming out now. I'll be surprised if Hunter Biden isn't arrested before the election. I would have to agree, but it's going to be hard for them to uh, to to deny after this bombshell that came out on Thursday, just right before the uh, right before the debate. One of the partners on the email, Tony Bobolinsky, came forward. He can, we condense his press conference. Well, let's, <clears throat> let's, uh, let's talk, talk a little bit about some of the parts that we left off. So Bob Alinsky tells us that CEFC China uh, was a, was doing business with this company they created called Sinohawk and Sinohawk uh, with Sinohawk was going to be funded of $10 million up front. And it was going to be turned into billions and the, and that Sinohawk was going to invest in the U in infrastructure real estate and technology in US and around the world. So essentially by creating this company, they were allowing China to come into the United States as well as other countries and get involved in our infrastructure, in our technology, uh, stealing our technology, having access to our infrastructure, um, uh, i.e. Uh, what's the name of the, the Chinese uh, phone company? Is it Huawei? Something like that. So sure. and they were they were starting to open up in the United States and uh, Trump just recently stopped that and uh, and you know they're going into the unit U.S. and around the world, but Biden is party to them allowing this to, to go on. So when when Trump says, "Hey, you know what, uh, Trump that that uh, Biden is going to sell our country off to China," it looks like he already started. Let's listen to about a two minute two minute clip of that we condensed to give you the basics of uh, Tony Bobolinsky's press conference. Late 2015, I was approached by James Gillier, whom I had known for many years, about joining him in a deal which he said would involve the Chinese state-owned enterprise, CFC China Energy, and what he called one of the most prominent families in the United States. I agreed to Gillier and Hunter Biden's request to become CEO 
of the entity to be called Sinohawk. On May 2nd, 2017, the night before Joe Biden was to appear at the Milken Conference, I was introduced to Joe Biden by Jim Biden and Hunter Biden. At my approximately hour-long meeting with Joe, that night we discussed the Biden's history, the Biden's family business plans with the Chinese, with which he was plainly familiar, at least at a high level. On May 13th, 2017, I received an email concerning allocation of equity, which says 10% held by H for the big guy. In that email, there's no question that H stands for Hunter, big guy for his father, Joe Biden. Hunter often referred to his father as the big guy or my chairman. On numerous occasions, it was made clear to me that Joe Biden's involvement was not to be mentioned in writing, but only face to face. In fact, I was advised by Gillier and Walker that Hunter and Jim Biden were paranoid about keeping Joe Biden's involvement secret. During these negotiations, I repeated to Hunter and others that Sinohawk could not be Hunter's personal piggy bank. And I demanded that proper corporate governance procedures be implemented for capital distributions. Hunter became very upset with me. He said, referring to the chairman, his father, that CFC was really investing in the Biden family, that he held the Trump card, and that he was the one putting his family legacy on the line. I was told this past Sunday by somebody who was also involved in this matter that if I went public this information, it'd be, it would bury all of us, man, the Bidens included. Yeah, well, I don't uh, You know, you have to wonder. We, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording and say, what is what would I do this if if I wasn't in, involved in something like this? I, you know, I made a comment. I made a comment to Scott. I said, you know what? I hope he has Secret Service protection or some kind of armed guards around him because he he would this would seem like he's he's prime for a uh, being suicided, I guess. It's a good thing the Clintons weren't involved in that. No, I know. I mean, this guy's extremely brave for coming out and there's not a whole lot of uh, I mean, this is a pretty clear statement. I mean, what he's saying is, is spot on. He, he worked with the Bidens. Um, and I know one of your theories was that um, maybe he's coming out to save his own butt, you know, that think, he doesn't uh, want to be the fall guy for the Bidens when this information keeps coming out. Yeah, I think if uh, if it were me yeah. and, I, and I had a reputation, he doesn't look like an older guy and he's looking about. Uh, protecting his own reputation in the business world and uh, just his reputation period. Cause uh, he would be, he, he not being a last name of Biden would be prime, a prime person to take the fall for this. Uh, he probably wants to come out and make sure the truth is known and that he doesn't get, that he doesn't get uh, slimed by this when the Bidens decide, Hey, they can't, they can no longer deny this and they have to, they have to uh, uh, somehow, implicate somebody that it was it, we didn't know this was going on bull let's say biden actually wins the election then he gets impeached over this and then we end up with kamala as the president i mean that's a pretty dark thought but that's been in the back of my head all this is going on yeah it's uh it's and and it's and it's uh it's angering to see to see the the mainstream media Blocked it. Blocked this. Oh, this is this is not worth our even even National Public Radio. NPR said this these allegations weren't worth their wasn't worth mentioning. It's just you know wacky allegations. Wait, NPR aren't they paid for by the taxpayers? Shouldn't they have uh shouldn't they have uh a non-biased report the news as it comes out? Why are they protecting Joe Biden? 
Well, yeah, and not only that, Ed, but nobody in the Biden campaign has denied the authenticity of any of this. As a matter of fact, apparently Hunter Biden's attorney reached back out to the computer repair shop and asked for the laptop back, which kind of proves that it's Hunter Biden's laptop, don't you think? I would think that would be uh, that would be a uh, that would be a little bit curious if he asked for it if uh, if it wasn't his. I don't know. I don't know. To me, it's to me, it's the smoking gun right there. And the American people have to have to ask themselves. Is this who you want running our country? Is this the guy you want having access to influence our, our entire taxpayer fund? You lose half your paycheck. For those of you that pay taxes, you lose half your paycheck to the government for various taxes. Who do you want to have access to that? Who should have the who should have the benefit of? It? I have no problem paying our military, paying our cops, paying our our uh, our teachers, making sure that the people that enrich our lives are paid for. But making the Biden family rich, I don't think so. Hey, so anyway, we're all out of time for this half of the main event. So stay tuned for five minutes of uh, traffic, weather, commercials, and sports, and uh, we'll be right back with you with uh, the debate. Justice will be served and the battle will rage. This big dog will fight when you rattle his cage. And you'll be sorry that you mess with the U.S. of A. Cause we'll put a boot in your ass. It's the American way. Help us out. Put your name at the top of his list. funding i don't talk a lot about real estate and finance on this show i probably should because it's hot item right now in fact uh there's probably about uh five times as many people that need to refinance as there are as there is capacity in the entire nation for the real estate uh for the the mortgage business so uh if you call me at 855-640-2020 and you don't get a quick response yeah, you know, give me a couple of days. Our team will get back to you for sure. Um, we are not too busy to talk. We, we may be too busy to answer the phone sometimes, but we're uh, not too busy to do your business. So, uh, but if you want, if you want to call us 855-640-2020, 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo and we'll help you out with, with uh, whatever real estate financing needs you need. Hey, uh, on the show with me, if you're just joining us, is proprietor of Don's Bikes, Mr. Scott McPhee. Welcome back. Ed, great to be back in the house. Go ahead and uh, go ahead. Let's uh, talk about your uh, talk about your event coming up. Uh, yes, we do event. have an event coming up. It's November 1st, Sunday, November 1st. It's a conservative stand-up night, stand-up comedy. We call it Make America Laugh Again. Uh, we've done several of these events. We've sold out every show we've done thus far. Uh, you can come see it at the Mill Creek Cattle Company in Mentone. So it's some of the funniest conservative comedians you will ever hear. Uh, if you want to get tickets, go to MakeAmericaLaughAgainEvent.com. Uh, that'll get you a link to Eventbrite where you can get the tickets. It's a dinner comedy show. Uh, five o'clock is when the doors open. Show starts at six. 
Once again, that's MakeAmericaLaughAgainEvent.com. I'll be emceeing it. It's going to be a lot of fun. I hope you can make it. MakeAmericaLaughAgainEvent.com. I'll see you there. And if uh, you can't find that or if you can't remember it, we'll put the we'll put a link on the main event Facebook page. So uh, Facebook.com slash the main event Ed Hoffman. All right. So uh, this week we had our second and final debate of the 2020 election. Presidential debate happened Thursday night in Nashville. Uh, moderated by Kristen Welker from NBC News, who I don't know where they found her, um, but I just don't think she was that independent or non-biased, in my opinion. This time, each candidate was given two uninterrupted minutes to speak at the beginning of each 15-minute segment, with the mic turned off for the non-speaking candidate. Uh, Both uh, candidates' mics were open for the rest of each segment. Open for the rest of each segment so they could kind of argue back and forth. I just don't think, I think, uh, I know Martha McCallum on, on Fox said that, uh, that Kristen Welker uh, interrupted Trump 24 times compared to about twice with Biden. I thought it seemed like more like 124 times and compared to no times with Biden. Um, every time that uh, Trump had him to where, where he was making a big point or whether he, or where he was, uh, had, Biden to where he had to answer some of the questions, some of the questions for what just came out that we talked about in the first half, somehow it got turned around, turned around and, uh, and interrupted. And I just, I just didn't like it. You know, I know you and I disagree a little bit on this one. I I was expecting another train wreck like the first debate, which I thought was just an absolute waste of time. Um, I thought I was expecting a lot worse from her because I'd already, you know, figured, okay, this lady's got to be biased. At least Trump got his points in. Was it perfect? Was it leaning towards Biden? Absolutely. Did she interrupt him more? You know, did she interrupt Trump a lot more? You're absolutely right on that one. But the point is, Trump got his points out there and he did it without, you know, coming across as angry. It was definitely more substantive debate. Um, And and honestly, I I almost like the rule about where the candidate's mic gets gets muted while the other person talks, because in my opinion, the more Joe talks, the worse he sounds. You know what I mean? Yep, I know exactly what you mean. And I I know that Trump had made a comment that he was going to hold back and hold back and and let Joe talk more and then you know not be so greedy with the time and uh so I knew that was happening but I think there has to be there has to be a certain amount of of debate and debate means you're debating with each other not with not with the moderator and and then there were times that that there was a question posed to Biden and he just turned to the camera and started having a campaign having a campaign uh, speech and say, and even Trump called him out one time and said, uh, so who are you debating with? Are you debating with the people or are you debating with me? And, uh, and it was, you know, I, I do agree. I watched it a second time Friday morning and, uh, watch it again. And I do agree that he got his, his, uh, his, his points in. I just wanted to see a knockout blow. I wanted to see, you know, Trump got the information out and he did it presidentially. He looked uh, very professional and very calm. Didn't look like a wild man that people accuse him of being. But I think uh, I was looking for him to 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 back him into a corner and have Biden go go uh, Mr. Magoo on. I wanted to see him. I wanted to see him uh, bobbling with the stuttering and the forgetting things he's saying. And well, you know the thing. <laughs> didn't get a didn't get a chance because Kristen Welker kept jumping in right at the beginning, right at the, right right at the critical times. 
say, you know what? Hey, you know, don't stop and break up the guys when they're, when they're toe to toe punching each other. Wait, wait, wait. You guys are standing too close to each other. Sorry. That's uh, you know, you fighters fight. So uh, of course the first topic was COVID and the ongoing obsession over the president, not acting sooner, which is the opposite of what Democrats were saying when he first acted. When I closed, he said, I shouldn't have closed. And that went on for months. What Nancy Pelosi said the same thing. She was dancing on the streets in Chinatown in San Francisco. But when I closed, he said, this is a terrible thing. You're xenophobic. I think he called me racist even. And because I was closing it to China. Now he says I should have closed it earlier. It just, Joe, it doesn't work. I didn't say either of those things. You certainly did. You certainly did. All he talks about is shutdowns. No, we're not going to shut down, and we have to open our schools. And it's like, as an example, I have a young son. He also tested positive. By the time I spoke to the doctor the second time, he was fine. It just went away. Young people, I guess it's their immune system. Yeah, I think uh, uh, Biden grandstanding and uh, Kamala Harris, almost said what I would normally call her, um, Kamala Harris, you know, it's hindsight is 2020, you know, you, it's, it's great to be a Monday morning quarterback after, you know, Sunday, Sunday football games, you say, well, this is what I would have done. I wouldn't have played that play. I wouldn't have done this. I wouldn't have done that. You know, if, if you know how things are going to come out, then it's easy to, to say what you should have done, but nobody knew about this virus and Trump was out ahead of it. The way I see it. As he saw things starting to happen, close off the borders, close this, close that, while uh, while the the Democrats were trying to to tell everybody how crazy he was. We didn't have, hey, come out to Chinatown. You saw the video. We're out here. We're having fun. There's no reason to be scared. Not wearing a mask, and uh, you know, everybody was on on him. And now that now that all these people have died, which I don't believe this two hundred twenty thousand uh, dollar figure, two hundred twenty thousand uh, deaths being attributed to, uh, to COVID. I just don't buy that. Um, and, uh, you know, Hey, now that now they can't ignore it because that's what the people are expecting because so many people have, have drank the Kool-Aid about COVID. And, uh, even though the CDC came out and said, uh, 94% of those people didn't die of COVID, they might've died with a COVID. It may have created some complications, but that wasn't the, really the, the cause of cause of the death. Um, it just, it's, it's disgusting to me how they, how they're trying to, pin this on Trump. Well, yeah. And I think if, if nothing else, Trump did a very good job of painting the contrast between the left and the right. The left wants to close things down. The right wants to open things up. And I think one of the best quotes of the night that I heard from the president regarding COVID was he said, the cure cannot be worse than the problem. Because right now, it is. Trust me, shutting down our economy for as long as we have. I mean, for me, the date was June 1st. I said, you know what, if we go, if we keep shutting things down past June 1st, the damage we're going to be done that will be done to the economy will be irreversible. Businesses that are not coming back. I mean, where they're saying like 50 to 60% of restaurants and bars are not coming back. And it wants me, it just makes me want to cry. It's, it's terrible. And we need to open up. We need to open up now. And if the government doesn't allow us to, I think we should do it anyways. Exactly. And I think, uh, well, we have to think before we go vote. And for those of you that have voted and didn't even uh, that didn't even wait to hear all the information, uh, shame on you. But the uh, but the people before we vote have to say, hey, there's going to be a lot of people that think they're going back to work that aren't going back to work because they don't have a work. There's no the, the companies are not coming back. I see Biden trying to create taxpayer funded something 
to do to uh, create. You know, uh, he he said one time one time that uh, fossil fuels would be outlawed by would be all done by 2025. I go, well, I just bought a brand new gas guzzling American truck, and it's only going to last for five years, and then we're not going to have fossil fuels anymore. That's BS. So, um, but I how I see Trump doing it, and Trump doing it, he'll come up he'll come up with some uh, productive way to loan to loan some of these businesses the money to reemerge. I don't think, you know, I, I don't think they have to uh, give away cash to everybody, but if there's businesses that actually just couldn't survive, let's help them. Let's help them come away, come back from the dead. Uh, Biden has no, has no knowledge of how to do any of that stuff. Um, so it's, I just don't think there's any hope. Uh, for many people, and they don't even realize it if Biden becomes president. Next, Biden accused the president of not having a plan. But if you listen to Trump's response, it sure sounds like he has a plan. The president has responded to this crisis has been absolutely tragic. And so, folks, I will take care of this. I will end this. I will make sure we have a plan. President Trump, I'd like to follow up. You talked about taking a therapeutic. I assume you're referencing Regeneron. You also said a vaccine will be coming within weeks. Yes. Is that a guarantee? Is no, it's not a guarantee, but it will be by the end of the year. But I think it has a good chance. There are two companies, I think, within a matter of weeks, and it will be distributed very quickly. Can you tell us which companies? Uh, Johnson & Johnson is doing very well. Moderna is doing very well. Pfizer is doing very well. And we have numerous others. And then we also have others that we're working on very closely with other countries in particular europe in particular you know ed i I wanted to listen to what biden's plan was um because you know i'm trying to pick up on this a lot of what comes out of biden's mouth is just word salad doesn't doesn't really mean anything but what biden's talking about is plexiglass dividers rapid testing social distancing and wearing masks last time i checked we're already doing all that crap and uh, it hasn't and it hasn't seemed to stop the virus no it doesn't say hey has are things getting better i don't think so i mean i don't think i mean it i see that uh, the, the infection rate is, is, is slowing down, but that's normal. That's what viruses do, you know, and getting and getting and creating this vaccine is getting and creating this vaccine is only the first step. The next step is getting it to the people as fast as possible. Trump continues. Is your timeline realistic? No, I think my timeline is going to be more accurate. I don't know that they're counting on the military the way I do, but we have our generals lined up, one in particular that's the head of logistics. And this is a very easy distribution for him. He's ready to go as soon as we have the vaccine. And we expect to have 100 million vials. As soon as we have the vaccine, he's ready to go. Yeah, I think uh, Trump seems to be out ahead of it. He's not just thinking about how we gonna how we gonna invent how fast can we can we come up with a vaccine, but he's already he's already got a strategy ready to, to distribute it, and I think that's because Trump thinks like a businessman and he understands the whole the whole problem is not just inventing a vaccine. It's how do we produce it fast enough? How do we how do we distribute it fast enough? And uh, just like when he brought in the uh, military ship Mercy and uh, the Comfort to uh, LA Harbor and New York Harbor. And people said, nah, there's no way he's gonna get it here in the next 90 days. Oh, I'll have it here within a week. And it was there in like eight days. And uh, and of course, New York didn't use it. They ended up pulling out because they were uh, they were putting people in hospitals to reinfect other people. And you know, they, didn't, they didn't take advantage of it. So it pulled out about a month later, um, maybe two months later. Um, it's just, to me, Joe Biden, well, I'm gonna come up with a plan. I'm gonna come, well, you don't have a plan yet. Your plan, the, the elections in, in uh, 10 days from now, 11 days from now, uh, and you don't have a plan yet. 
well, you know, I'm going to get all the experts together. And we're going to have a discussion in the, in the Oval Office. That's your job. You know, he said this many times, and I just don't have any confidence in that. And I know it's funny, too, when I talk to my doctor, my doctor walks in and she's not wearing a mask. I'm saying, so you're not wearing a mask because, yeah, there's no proof that those actually work. I'm like, OK, you're a physician. You're telling me there's no proof that a mask works. Why are we all wearing these things then? Why are we all doing this? Um, look, we, we need to open now. Uh, there's already been a lot of a lot of you know trillions of dollars lost. And I, to me, throwing more money at this problem's not not the answer either. There's a lot of people that are collecting checks and playing video games in their homes. Uh, that's a problem. Um, that's not helping. All we're doing is increasing the deficit at this point. So, um, you know, and, and the fact that the Democrats have now stalled any more stimulus money, I don't know, does that help? Does that help them? Does that help Biden? I think it hurts Biden, actually. I think so, too. But uh, they they depend on people being uninformed and misinformed. And they're they're putting out their their weekly uh, their weekly. Here's the talking point for this week. Everybody say these words. Despite everything that's come to light this week, Biden thought it would be a good idea to bring up China, which gave the president a perfect opening to talk about Biden using the vice president to enrich his family. With what came out today, it's even worse. All of the emails, the emails, the horrible emails of the kind of money that you were raking in, you and your family. And Joe, you were vice president when some of this was happening. And it should have never happened. And I think you owe an explanation to the American people. Somebody just had a news conference a little while ago who was essentially supposed to work with you and your family. But what he said was damning. And regardless of me, I think you have to clean it up and talk to the American people. Maybe you can do it right now. I have not taken a penny from any foreign source ever in my life. We learned that this president paid 50 times the tax in China, has a secret bank account with China, does business in China, and in fact is talking about me taking money. I have not taken a single penny from any country whatsoever, ever. Yeah, he took it from an American company that uh, he set up with his uh, with his son and his brother so that uh, they could channel money through China to that company. And he'd take it from his son. Um, I don't think that's I don't think that's technically the same thing as taking it from China. But you know what? Uh, common sense tells me that if I did that, I'd be in jail. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so, yeah, no, you're right. He, he mints his words there. And, of course, what does he do? He deflects. Let's talk about something else. Let's talk about uh, your bank account that was open in China years ago that's been shut down. Let's let's talk. Can we talk about your tax returns now? Let's not talk about this. But, yeah, yeah, he didn't, he didn't actually take the money directly. Uh, his son took it, and then his son gave it to him. So isn't exactly. that kind of the same thing? Hey, uh, just hand that money over to my wife, and uh, she'll stick it in our joint bank no, account. No, I didn't get it. The big guy got it. I didn't get anything. Yeah, exactly. Look how little I am compared to him. <laughs> I it couldn't was, be the big the guy. The big guy is Trump. Look how much bigger he is than me. And, des <laughs> and despite all the evidence that was released directly from his son's own hard drive, Biden actually thinks America Americans will still buy the lie that his family scandal is a Russian hoax. There are 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plan. They have said that this is has all the care Four, five former heads of the CIA, both parties say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. Nobody believes it except the, his and his good friend, Rudy Gianni. You mean the laptop is now another Russia, Russia, Russia hoax? And that's exactly it. what is this that's where exactly you're going? What this is told. where he's going. The laptop right. is Russia, yes. Russia, Russia. I want to stay on the issue of race. You okay? have to be kidding. Here Mr. we go President? again with Russia. Can yeah, we go back thought, to race, please? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because can we? I thought it was a perfect response by Trump. That was good. Um, I would want to. I would want to get out there and 
and uh, put up some dukes and punch the little guy. But, um, but you know, when you're president, you can't do that. And when it came to criminal justice reform, Trump reminded Biden about all his accomplishments to help back the, help the black community over the last 47 years. Uh, oh, wait, there weren't any. He's been in government 47 years. He never did a thing except in 1994 when he did such harm to the black community. And they were called, and he called them super predators. And he said that, he said it, super predators. And they have never lived that down. 1994, your crime bill, the super predators. Nobody has done more for the black community than Donald Trump. No one should be going to jail because they have a drug problem. They should be going to rehabilitation, not to jail. We should fundamentally change the system, and that's what I'm going to do. But why didn't he do it four years ago? Why didn't you do that four years ago, even less than that? Why didn't you? I am you not were vice president. You keep talking about all these things you're going to do, and you're going to do this. But you were there just a short time ago, and you guys did nothing. We did. You know, Joe, I, I ran because of you. I ran because of Barack Obama, because you did a poor job. If I thought you did a good job, I would have never run. I would have never run. I ran because of you. I'm looking at you now. You're a politician. I ran because of you. Yeah, and, uh, you know, people should people with drug problems shouldn't go to jail. They should go to rehab. I don't know that I buy all that. You know, some people some people I see go to rehab and they and they come out better people and they're committed. And and mostly when they're when it's uh, spiritual based. But uh didn't seem to work for Hunter, Hunter Biden. So I just and it doesn't seem to work for most most other people that I see, especially. Uh, and we know after we talked about this last week with uh, Pastor Matt about the. Uh, the homeless problem, all these drug addicted homeless people, it's really a mental problem. It's not a drug problem and it's not a, uh, and it's, and it's not a housing problem. It's a, it's a mental health problem. And we need to figure that out. One out. No, I was going to say, yeah, I think drug addicts rather than going to be sent to prison, they should get board positions at Burisma. I think that's the best treatment if you're a crackhead. Um, and also just to kind of tag a couple of thoughts, uh, I think Trump's some, two of Trump's finest moments, hammering that message, Joe, you were there and you did nothing. I think that was really powerful. I also think that quote we just played, you're the reason I ran was, was great. That was one of his best lines. He could have even added that you're the reason I won Joe. Exactly. He could have, he could have, and you know, the people were tired of, of the Obama Biden, uh, let's extort money from this place. Let's get some payback for the black people and let's, uh, let's just turn things around. And meanwhile, uh, you know, uh, Hey, you just won, you just won the, the, the election for president of the United States. What are you going to do next? I'm going to Disneyland. And, uh, Biden thought, or uh, Obama thought it was his personal, uh, his personal Disneyland vacation for eight years. But the president didn't stop there. Why didn't you do it in the eight years, a short time ago? Why didn't you do it? You just said, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. You put tens because of thousands of mostly black young men in prison. Now you're saying you're going to get you're going to undo that. Why didn't you get it done? You had eight years with Obama. We had a Republican Congress. That's the answer. Well, you got okay. to talk them into it, Joe. Sometimes All right. you got to talk them into it. We're going to move on to our next yeah. section. Like I did with criminal justice state. reform. Oh, okay. I had to talk Democrats into Gentlemen. it. Gentlemen. And again, you hear uh, you hear uh, Kristen Welker jumping in there to save him. You know, hey, what about your I'm going to you, your job is to meet with everybody in the Oval Office. That's your job. Seems this seems like a good way to wrap up the recap of the debate. Here are two of Trump's best moments in the debate combined. You know who I am. You know who he is. You know his character, you know my character. You know our reputations for honor and telling the truth. 
I am anxious to have this race. I am anxious to see this take place. I am the character of the country is on the ballot. Our character is on the ballot. Look at us closely. Let me ask them, follow, me. please respond. If and then this we're going to have follow-up. true questions. about Russia, Ukraine, China, other countries, Iraq. If this is true, then he's a corrupt politician. Right. So don't give me the stuff about how you're this innocent baby. Joe, they're calling you a corrupt politician. We should be talking about your families, but that's the last thing he wants to talk about. I want, to, is a I want to talk about statement. North Korea. Me, I do want to second, turn to please. 10 seconds, Mr. President. That's 10 a seconds. typical political statement. Let's get off this China thing. And then he looks, the family, around the table, everything. Just right. a typical politician when I see that. Let's talk I'm about North Korea. not a typical Korea. politician. Okay, That's President. why I got elected. Can you hear Kristen Welker trying to stop him from delivering uh, the, the knockout punches? It's, uh, it's disgusting. Hey, do we have time to do the, uh, the come on, man? Apparently, people were talking about having a drinking game, having your bottle of uh, tequila or whiskey or whatever you do, and listen to the uh, to the to the uh, debate. And every time you hear Trump, uh, Biden go, "Come on, man!" you take a shot. Uh, he did left out the man part this time. Don't worry, it's all gonna be over soon. Come on, learning to live with it. Come on, not that many of you are gonna die, so don't worry about it. So don't worry about it. Come on. I know how to game the system. Come on. Come on, folks. And we had a good relationship with Hitler before he, in fact, invaded Europe, the rest of Europe. Come on. Is lecturing me on Social Security and Medicare? Come on. Let him go bankrupt. Come on. I told him to stand down and stand ready. Come on. Yeah, come on. I think if uh, if we were all sitting around the TV with a big bottle of uh, our favorite uh, adult beverage, I don't know that we'd be recording this morning. How about you? Probably not. Probably not. Um, I want to just close out with one. What was my favorite quote of Trump when he talked about how the question was asked, how are you going to heal race relations? And he said, success will bring us together. And that's so true. Uh, when we're successful, the issues of race and color and gender and all that stuff just just falls by the wayside. And I thought that was a great, a great answer to that question. Yep, absolutely. In order to make America great again, you got to make America successful again. Got to make America strong again. You got to make America rich again. And that's a, that's not just for rich people, because when rich people get rich, it trickles down, trickled on, down economics does work. Anyway, we're all out of time for this uh, episode of the main event. Scott, thanks for joining me. Ed, it's always a pleasure. And thank you guys for listening, and I'll be back again with you next week. The opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Summit Funding Incorporated. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921, California DRE ID number 1016588, Arizona MLO license number 0926439, Branch NMLS ID number 1841782, Summit Funding Incorporated NMLS ID number 3199, Arizona license number 0925837, Equal Housing Opportunity.